0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Tuesday, June 1st. Rabbit, rabbit. Make sure you say it before midnight tonight. The year of our Lord, 2021. Yeah, it's Tuesday. If this were the regular season, this would be normal. But this is secondary season, not to be confused with the off season, which certainly doesn't exist as evidence with how jam-packed the show is tonight. But we're doing a Tuesday show because we can't wait to Thursday. I've got stuff that we had to cut from the show again on a Tuesday in June. So that's how loaded we are. We have got major transfer news. We've got to talk about Georgia just all of a sudden owning the transfer portal. There was, you remember once upon a time, it was Oklahoma and Florida. Early on, it looked like Florida owned this thing. And now kids that were at Florida have since committed to Georgia. We shall touch on all that. Also, that recruiting floodgate that we have been teasing for the better part of two months, it opened today. The sirens went off at 11.55 p.m. last night. And then at 12 o'clock, they opened the dams. And it started to just flood recruiting news after midnight. Yeah, you understood me correctly. Those of you who are diehard recruiting fans, you saw it last night. If you didn't, I'm going to let you know what did happen and what is happening. Our staffs, will give you a perfect example. The Knowles 24-7 staff had a 13-page deep thread last night on their board that was being updated every few minutes at 1.30 in the morning. I know because I drove back to Nashville last night, and when I got in, that's what was going on there. So needless to say, there's a lot to talk about. Speaking of FSU... A very rare move for June, but we got to do it. we got to update the mood tracker for the Seminoles. There's a a lot going on there beneath the surface that, again, if you're not following FSU closely, you may not know, but then again, you watch this show, so we'll keep you up to date on all that. And we're doing part three in a series that I don't see ending anytime soon of potential big-time impact freshmen this season. That's gotten really good numbers. I mean, I wouldn't keep doing it if you guys didn't like it. So uh, you've had a lot of comments and a lot of things to say about that. It's not a one-time deal, though. So a lot of you have asked, where's Corey Foreman at? He's going to be on the show tonight. Not in person, but we're going to talk about him tonight. Uh, We have not gotten to every Impact freshman, but we will. Remember, 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 I got to give you a thank you, and we're diving right into the show here. A lot of you have already followed on Instagram and Twitter, at Josh. Really, that's one of the few things we ask you to do. It's all free. Uh, Believe it or not, we're not charging to uh, follow anywhere on a social media platform. But I just want to tell you, if you could see what I see when our numbers come in, you would know. I can't in good conscience give them to you because I'd probably get fired. Just know, I keep you as updated as I can. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. We're seeing growth, uh, the likes of which you should not be seeing this time of year. I think it pales in comparison to what you and I are going to be able to do this year. And when I say you and I, I mean Director Emeritus Collin, Jesse, the entire crew in Connecticut. We've got a lot of people working behind the scenes in conjunction with you to make me sitting at this desk talking in this microphone, a big success. So thank you to them. Thank you to you. Just keep sharing our stuff. Keep putting it in those Instagram stories, tweets, whatnot. It really helps. Thank you. Let's dive into the show. What a day. Okay, so let's just sit back. If you're listening on Wednesday, then it's yesterday. If you're watching live right now or you're watching a little bit after the show, it's still Tuesday. What a day this Tuesday has been. Georgia football, I mean, you guys wake up this morning, if you're a Bulldog fan, you've heard the rumors. Well, by the time you're laying your head down on your pillow tonight, you have added Eric Gilbert to your roster. You've added Darian Kendrick to your roster. So let's talk about who these players are, because this is huge. Your first question, who who are these players? How big of an impact is this? Well, let me answer in reverse order. This is a huge impact day for Georgia. This very well could have turned the tide for all we know in the SEC championship race, in a playoff race, in the SEC Eastern division race. It could have shifted who's gonna win in week one, Georgia versus Clemson. All that's to be decided. You never know what today could have been the impetus for. Eric Gilbert, you remember that name well. Five-star tight end out of Marietta, Georgia. Watched him in person in high school. One of the very best high school players I've ever seen in my life. A lot of these guys look good in high school. I'm telling you, he looked good even amongst the ones who looked good in high school. Went to LSU, didn't work out. Transferred and had a cup of coffee, maybe like half a cup of coffee at Florida, decommitted again. Well, he winds up at Georgia, which is you know right down the road from where he grew up and where he played his high school ball You see Jesse, if you're watching on YouTube, showing you the notables about the player profile there. I'm going to circle back to Gilbert in just a second. Darian Kendrick, maybe you don't know that name as much. If you watch ACC ball, if you watch Clemson, you know his name. Back in 2018, he was originally recruited as a wide receiver, ended up transitioning to DB and was a very good DB for Clemson. I, he was first team all ACC, I believe last year. And, um, Play, he's played a ton of ball, okay? That's what's important. Because the entire talking point about Georgia Secondary, which is correct, is there's not a whole lot of experience there. But we've learned an important lesson, haven't we, along the way in this whole transfer portal era, trademark. And I'm gonna circle back to that lesson actually in about two minutes, but I wanna keep reiterating the lesson. Because one thing that used to happen during preview magazine season is as soon as you got that nice, crisp, physical copy of that preview magazine in your hand, rosters were set. We know who's on every team. All right, let's start drawing conclusions about teams. Can't do that anymore. All right, so let's talk about these players. And let me tell you how big this is for Georgia, because this does not just impact Georgia. This impacts you. If you're a Clemson Tiger fan, if you're a Bama fan, if you're a USC or Oregon fan, Oklahoma fan, this has to do with every single one of you. It is a true keystone move in that its ripple effects will affect the entire sport. Eric Gilbert is another transfer portal lesson. And the lesson is do not draw conclusions on teams and rosters until camp opens because the transfer portal is teaching us, in some cases, a very hard lesson that if you run your mouth too early about what a position group is and what a team is and isn't, this could bite you. Remember when George Pickens went down? Think about this. George Pickens goes down in spring ball for Georgia. The immediate snap of the fingers reaction from a lot of people was, Well, that pretty much screws them out of an opportunity to win anything of significance this year. And by significance, most of you meant a national championship. You've seen Georgia win the SEC. You've seen them go to the playoff. You're talking about being able to win a title. Well, it stands to reason they're not going to be able to do it without their number one receiver, right? Well, what were you saying then? What are you saying right now? Uh, This really is a game changer. So you may ask yourself, and you may ask me, since I'm the one talking here, you may say, Josh, I hear all that. But isn't this really an apples to oranges comparison, this whole George Pickens to Eric Gilbert deal? Because one's a wide receiver and one's a tight end. No, friend, one is a wide receiver. The other was a tight end. But if you look closely at that statement Mr. Gilbert put out today and you listen to folks, uh, Rusty, Jake Kip and the like, cover the Georgia program as well as anyone in the market and touched on this earlier today as well, Eric Gilbert's being brought in to play wide receiver. Albeit at 6'3, 245 pounds. But Gilbert was a wide receiver in high school. I know they listed him as a tight end, but I mean, I will never forget watching Marietta play. He played pretty high level ball in Georgia. And watching him, you know, on jet sweeps and end the rounds at 6'3, 245, get in the corner on corners that were, you know, 60, 70 pounds lighter than him. He can do that, okay? He has the raw physicality to be able to do that. Physicality is the wrong word. He has the physical ability to do that the big question with Eric Gilbert is going to be, well, two things. Number one, where is he mentally? I think that's a fair question. There's a lot that's going on from the last time you saw him play football until the next time you'll see him play football. So that's a fair question, if you want to question that. I have questions about it. That's probably chief among them. Where is Eric Gilbert mentally? The second thing is, I don't know what in the world he's been doing from a training perspective, so we want him at wide receiver. Well, I look at him right now, he's 6'3", 245, he's ultra impressive, but I wonder where he is from a conditioning standpoint physically, so let me put that out there. If Eric Gilbert is where he needs to be from the neck up, and if his conditioning and his physical nature is where it needs to be, if those boxes are checked, this group, this offensive group at Georgia can redefine what Georgia football is. So let me think about this, and let me think it out loud, and you follow along with me. It's always in vogue to doubt Georgia offensively in the SEC, even amongst the fan base. A lot of folks doubt because they haven't seen. And the nature of college football fans and sports fans in general is a lot of times you just have to see it to believe it. I guess that's human nature. Good Michael Jackson song, for my money, the best one. And it's also true. So if you tell me it's human nature, why, why? uh, You're right. I like to try and see around the corner a little bit because I don't think there's any skill in waiting until something happens to talk about it happening. I think anyone playing checkers in the park can do that. If you've got Eric Gilbert where he needs to be from the neck up, if he is physically where he needs to be and you look at the other pieces on this offense, this group has a chance to redefine what we think when we say Georgia football. And what I mean by that is they don't have just a bunch of pieces. You know, we talk about depth all the time. Depth is not a bunch of names on roster. Depth is either a proven ability or an unproven ability, but knowing you have the horses in the stable that you're going to need. Not only do they have the horses there, what George is going to look at in week one against Clemson, for example, if everyone's healthy, is they're going to look at a lot of versatility and they're going to look at a lot of multiplicity. Wasn't a good movie. It's a very good thing to have on your football roster. You have got guys like Arian Smith, Demetrius Robertson. Those guys can pop the top off a defense if you need them to. But then you've also got guys like Jermaine Burton, who's probably my favorite wide receiver and probably favorite skill piece that they have right now. But then when you add in guys like Darnell Washington, and I've made it, what, three or four minutes into this segment, haven't even mentioned the starting tight end there. Darnell Washington, who's a monster. He's even bigger than Gilbert. And then you put Eric Gilbert on the field. I want you to search the nation, and i want you to find me the collection of defensive backs that can go 4 for 4 or 5 for 5 depending on formation across the board and can contain that for 4 quarters. I'm not talking about knocking down a pass, okay, whistle blows, go back to the huddle at second and 10. I'm talking about doing it sustained for 4 quarters. We know what it takes to win in this sport now. We know what it takes and we know Georgia hadn't had it consistently. I have maintained to you and i will still maintain I think they started to make a lot of the moves they needed to last year. It got preempted by COVID. I've beaten that horse to death. We don't need to revisit that. But they are where they need to be offensively. They are coming along at a time where their wide receiver room and their quarterback room, chief among them being uh, the starting quarterback there, is where it needs to be to the degree it has not been. Okay, so when those things align, I know it's gonna be very popular to try and look and find reasons why Georgia's not going to explode offensively this year. I'm not gonna look for them, okay? I'm gonna be the opposite. I'm gonna look at the pieces Georgia has, and I'm gonna tell you, I'd be stunned if Georgia didn't have a top three offense in the country this year. I'd be stunned if they didn't have it. Maybe they don't, been wrong before. I'm gonna have to see how it unfolds if they don't have that. Secondly, Darian Kendrick comes on board. Now, the offensive guy is gonna get a lot of the acclaim, but I think that coaching staff there, if you really got the truth out of them, they may even be a little bit more excited about Darian Kendrick. Darian Kendrick needs to be mentioned in the same breath with Brandon Turnage and with Tyke Smith. Those are the two other defensive backs that Kirby Smart and his staff have brought in via the transfer portal. They, being Georgia, now have three kids in the top 20 in the transfer portal rankings, by the way. That they in Oklahoma, those are the only two programs that have that, I believe. So this is a net. it's yet another lesson, really, kind of like we were talking about with Eric Gilbert. Do not judge teams before they get to camp. Just a month or two ago, people were looking at Georgia, Preview Magazine season's about to be upon us, and you're saying, what I'm going to read on those pages is Georgia is razor thin and ultra green in their defensive back room. Well, they were but the process wasn't over. These good staffs, they don't ever stop trying to upgrade and evaluate their roster, and so Kirby Smart, they got out of spring. Anybody who follows Georgia football knew they were about to dive into that portal head first and they were trying to find help in that defensive backfield. They went and got Smith, Tyke Smith from West Virginia, who I think is going to be one of the more unsung heroes of the transfer portal because he was brought in to play nickel, which means they don't have to cross-train a bunch of true freshmen or first-year starters at an unfamiliar position. Secondly, they bring in turnage, which, if nothing else, starts to add some valuable depth. And then you bring in Darian Kendrick, who's played high-level ball for a perennial national championship contender. He's been in a ton of big games. He's got a ton of reps under his belt. And so now, what did we answer? Well, number one, you filled a void that was left immediately by George Pickens with Eric Gilbert. You also filled a couple of voids, and you made a room that looked like a relative weakness now, I'm not going to go so far as to call it the strength of the team, but it certainly isn't something that you, you wave a great big red flag over every time we talk about Georgia football. Is this going to put a lot of pressure on Georgia? To me, it's the dumbest storyline in America. There's pressure on every program. If you're getting paid to coach this game, let me fill you in on a little secret. If you're getting paid to do a job, period, there's going to be pressure on you. If you're being paid at the highest level, then there is going to be immense pressure on you. It's a privilege to coach under pressure. What is the alternative? Don't go pick up guys out of the transfer portal? Is the alternative, don't recruit at a high level so we won't have the players to put us in position against an Alabama or an Oklahoma? Is that the alternative? It's stupid. People never think this stuff through when they say it. You know, Georgia goes out and recruits, but they don't get it done. They don't get what done? They can't, they can't run up against the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport and take them down Shame on Georgia for not being able to do what uh, really no one else has been able to do. Clemson's taken a couple of bites out of them. Even Clemson hasn't supplanted them. And oh, by the way, Clemson doesn't have to play in the same conference as Alabama. So what have they not done? They haven't won a national title. And that's about it. And I remind you all, they went to overtime of a national title game. Is there pressure on Kirby Smart and his team? Yeah, there was before these transfers. There will be this year. I think this is the best collection of talent that they've had. I think it gives them the best opportunity to win a national championship. Is there a lot of pressure? Yeah, there was yesterday. There is today. There will be tomorrow. It's a privilege, man, to be able to coach under that much pressure. If you're not under the pressure, that means no one thinks you have a chance to do anything. If they don't think you have a chance, it's because you haven't put enough talent in that room, in that locker room, to give you a chance. Well, now you got a chance. Now you go get it done. And hey, guess what? If they finish 11-1 this year, and their loss is in the SEC title game, and it knocks them out of the playoff, you know what they'll do? They'll come right back next year. No one's getting fired. There's no hot seat if you don't win a national title. That's, that's pure Xbox fantasy land. They got a good shot this year, as do about three or four other programs. They're going to tee it up. Chips fall where they may but Georgia got a whole lot better today. That's the takeaway. They got a whole lot better today and they filled a couple of need positions. Now we move on. As is usually the case in our business, it's not just good enough to talk about something. We always like to market things, like to brand things. It's a very old saying, get tired of saying the word branding, but branding is key. So I figure we got a big recruiting wave coming at us. Let's just call this the summer of scoop because there's gonna be a lot of it to be had. Steve Wiltfong had a live blog on 247sports.com. He's been running it throughout the day and it's just updating whenever he hears something. I was on the phone with Wiltfong twice today. I think in the span of time between those two calls, he probably talked to like five or six dozen coaches and staffers and players. There is no one more dialed in and connected than Sir Stephen Wiltfong. I don't know that he's been knighted yet, if he hasn't, though, I call him, sir, because it's inevitable. It's going to happen one day. Coaching staffs have been preparing for this day for months now, January 1st. What's magic about that? Well, at 12 o'clock or 12.01, I'm not quite sure how that happens. Anyway, somewhere around midnight on the East Coast, the recruiting dead period was lifted. And now you can have kids on campus. You can have those in-person visits. You can have face-to-face contact. You got some kids in this 2022 cycle that if not... Been on a college campus and obviously programs have not had kids on campus in well over a year. Well, all that ended today. Here's where to focus. Okay, there are a couple of things I want you to keep a close eye on. I'm not going to run down a list of kids and where I think they're going to go. We've got some time to do that. Remember, it's going to be the summer of Scoop, not the show of Scoop. But here's where to focus. A couple of things to pay close attention to because this is what coaching staffs are talking about. Number one, how many of these 2022 elite recruits are ready to pop already? How many of them have gone through Zoom recruiting and think they know where they want to go and, you know, the in-person visit's kind of going to be a formality, but largely they're already ready to commit? How many of those are there out there? I think the answer is quite a few, but I don't know that it's just going to happen, boom, like that, okay? I'm going to get back to that in a second. The second thing, this is the key. You're not always going to be able to see this going to be a case-by-case as to how much your team site can keep you updated based on how forthcoming staffs are with information. Camps and in-person recruiting evaluations. You've got some kids, defensive linemen and offensive linemen in particular, that you have not been able to see in person, if you're a coach, in a year and a half. And a funny thing happens to 16 and 17-year-old kids over the span of 12 to 18 months at the most formative period in their adolescence. They grow And so a lot of kids are about to show up, and whereas you once shook their hand and you looked down at them, now you're gonna look up at them. You know, at one point it was, hey, little buddy, and now it's, hey, big boy. Well, I would not offer this kid. I will offer that kid. And so you don't even know what's going to show up. Conversely, some kids may have, eat, or they may have sat there and, and eaten themselves out of house and home. And so what at one point would have been a very promising interior kind of nose tackle in a 3-4, well, now we can't even get him in the door without turning him sideways. He's a no-take now. You just got to get your eyeballs on some guys camps are going to be imperative. You got to see kids work out. You got to get out on the road and see kids work out. That's going to be important. Point number two is finding out basically which kids are still uh, committable offers, which kids that previously weren't, do we now think have grown into the point where we can offer them a committable spot. The third thing, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Ultimately, how many programs can lock up 90% of their class before their season starts? Okay. Okay. Now, there are two schools of thought right now. School of thought number one is there's gonna be a wave of commitments immediately because a bunch of kids are gonna get on campus for the first time. They're gonna be thrust into an official or an unofficial visit environment for the first time. It's gonna be too much to handle. They're gonna see their name on the marquee and boom, 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 one after the other, the dominoes are gonna fall and they're gonna commit. That's school of thought number one. School of thought number two is kids are gonna be primed and they're going to be blown away, and they're going to have red carpets from coast to coast, sea to shining sea rolled out for them. However, they're going to be adamant that they're going to take all of their visits, and then before their season starts, before their high school season starts, that's when they're going to want to commit. This is the more popular line of thinking behind the scenes. A lot of staffers are feeling this way. A lot of people in our industry, the feedback they're getting leads them to believe that's probably how it's gonna play out. I was talking to Wilfong before we did the show and I said, where do you fall on this? He said, I think July is gonna be a huge commitment month. And so what's gonna happen is, you're gonna well, get a lot of due diligence that's happening. You're gonna get a lot of kids on campus. You're gonna get a lot of staffs that get to do those in-person evaluations. Uh, you're gonna to get to have kids visit four or five places that they previously have only seen via Zoom. And then it's all going to build to July. And July is going to be unlike anything you've ever seen for a different reason than June is unlike anything you've ever seen. July is gonna roll around, let me paint you a picture. There's gonna be a countdown on your fridge and you're gonna be counting down the days until college football season starts. Then media days are gonna roll around. But all the while, you're gonna have a group of elite prospects wrapping up their third, fourth, and then fifth official visit. And they're gonna be ready to make a commitment because they wanna get it out of the way before their senior year. And coaching staffs at the big boy programs wanna have their classes locked up before they start the season. And you're gonna have commit after commit after commit. July is the month for fireworks this year they will be both literal and figurative in nature. Colin, that's just a money soundbite. That will be on Twitter within the hour when we get done with the show. <clears throat> Let me compose myself. I'm just, you know, every every couple of weeks we have a good sound bite on the show, and it just it takes me by surprise when we have one. So I have to compose myself here. But the if you want to if you want to have your jaw on the ground, go to the websites, go to BamaOnline.com to pull one of the big boys out of my pocket. Go to BamaOnline.com. Check out the work that Hank South is doing over there compiling the calendar for Alabama. I was just doing a cursory glance at this a little while ago. Alabama expects to have well over 100 kids visit in June. They'll have two or three dozen visit this week And some of them, in fact, a lot of them, because it's Alabama, have four stars and five stars next to their name, but it's not just 2022. This is a massive week and month for 2023 kids, 24 kids. I saw some 2025 kids out there. I had a quarterback, by the way, Colin, I had a quarterback for the class of 2028 hit me up the other day. And I'm not quite sure how to handle it. I don't even know what the laws say about that. What what are the Tennessee laws about 2028 recruits? I don't know. Does anyone know? I don't know. So um, TBD on that one. I haven't read the message yet, so he is none the wiser, and I think it's already past his bedtime, so he's not up watching the show. The summer of Scoop will continue. Keep it locked into 247sports.com. We're not done with the show. We're just done with that particular segment. Remember mood tracker season? It was about uh, two months ago. It was before spring, and we went up and down the list of about 30 programs, I think, we ended up getting out of the way. We couldn't do every program, but we did most of the programs um, that, that, yeah, well, to be honest with you, will get us the most traction. So the ones you talk about the most. And we gave you what the general mood of the fan base was. Well, since then, all that's happened is spring practice. So you would say, are you really updating a mood tracker? Yeah, we got to do it. It's case by case, but we got to do it here. FSU mood tracker. We got to update it. It's a very unusual segment in a very unusual time of the year, but there is a very unusual energy shift happening in and around Tallahassee, Florida. Knowles247.com has been a must-visit destination today and really last night. Let me take you through the past 12 to 24 hours over there. Okay, so I drive from Columbus to Nashville last night. I get in about somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. And so I'm groggy, but I want to check it out because I know the dead period just lifted and I know FSU staff, man, they've been building and building and building. And I mean, it felt like a carnival was coming to town right there in Tallahassee on campus at Florida State. So I go check the website and I kid you not, I was so proud. It made me so happy. It was one o'clock on the East Coast. It was the middle of June, well, early June and over at Knowles247.com there was a multi-page deep thread that was being updated, boom, 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 like that, of recruiting updates. How were there recruiting updates at midnight, you ask, and at 1 a.m., you ask? Well, because Mike Norvell and his staff didn't even wait until the sun came up. They had an army of kids that were essentially waiting at the gates, and there was someone counting down, three, two, one, let them in. And then Florida State just had a massive recruiting event right there. They had personalized golf carts. I think it was great. But they had a lot of notoriety, okay? Marketing is a big part of this. Make no mistake. I'm going to circle back to that in a second. So that happens. I take notice, as does pretty much everyone else in our business. And so I'm over there this morning, and I said, we can't let this go unnoticed, because Florida State was bad on the field last year. And so, an outside fan, if you're a Kansas State fan, you don't know anything about Florida State, and you were to just ask yourself, I wonder how Florida, I wonder how FSU fans think right now. How do they feel? You'd probably think they're down in the dumps. You'd probably think that they don't have much to look forward to. And then we do this segment, and I'm telling you, you'd be wrong. That's part of the reason we do this segment, to give you kind of a, an on the ground view instead of a 50,000 foot view of fan bases. But I go over there today, And I ask the folks at Knowles 24-7, I got to do a new mood tracker for you guys. It's become clear. We got to update the mood in Tallahassee. So let me ask you, as I often do, I'll go to the message board and I'll say, fill in this blank. My current mood towards Florida State football is, and in solid Knowles 24-7 fashion, solid 40% of the answers were sexual. Obviously can't use those. There were some drug paraphernalia references. I'm going to sweep those to the side, but there were some really good responses here. Um, There was a Club La Vila reference, rest in peace. If you know, you know. But also, cautious optimism was the floor. It was the worst response I got today. So again, let's reset the scene. Mike Norvell comes in there last year. It's not a good first year. They get upset at home against Georgia Tech in week one. Things never improve all that much. And you would think as an outsider, There's not a lot to be excited about there. These people are jacked. They are stoked. Why? Well, number one, they have bought into a vision. That's the simplest part. They've bought into a vision that the coaching staff is selling. More on the coaching staff in a second. They understand the current situation. I was on the On the Bench podcast the other day with Brendan Sinone. We were talking about their over-under win total. Vegas put the over-under win total for FSU out this year at five and a half. They don't expect a great year for Florida State. The fan base did not come out like some other fan bases and say, This is disrespectful. How could they do this to us? Hey, inside baseball or football, as it were, don't ever call anything Vegas puts out disrespectful. If it's really disrespectful, shut up and go to the nearest betting window and take advantage of it. That's how you take advantage of a disrespectful point spread or team win total. okay now I'm off that soapbox and, and back on Florida State here. So FSU fans did not do that is my point. They said. Um, yeah, I think we can go over, you know, there's optimism they can go over, but it's not like they're expecting to contend for the ACC this year. They want to take a solid forward step. But what has them so excited is their coaching staff is recruiting with their hair on fire right now. And they're taking it ultra seriously and they're all in on recruiting. They have totally bought in and it's come from the top and then it's trickled down, not just to the staff and the support staff, but to the fan base too. They're marketing the program properly. Here's the thing about marketing. Everyone claims that they are for real about it. Everyone claims they're serious about branding. They're not, I can promise you they're not. The only time that a rebrand and a rebirth of a program really works is if the head coach is on board with it. Mike Norvell is on board with this. That vision is from the top down, okay? That's why everyone takes it seriously at Florida State, and that's why it feels so authentic at Florida State. It is. You don't know if it's gonna work out. I have no clue how it's ultimately gonna work out on the field, nor do the fans there. And no one's under the misguided notion that getting recruits on campus is ultimately going to lead to multiple championships down the road. It's a one-step-at-a-time process. Okay, we all get that? There's nothing wrong with being excited, though. There's nothing wrong with getting jacked, with seeing your coaching staff all in and seeing them all over social media and seeing them, despite a very poor product on the field, able to convince a bunch of highly rated kids, be in Tallahassee, Florida at 12.01 a.m. on June 1st. That's exciting. It's very exciting. But now they got to get to work, and they have, and you got to swallow your pride a little bit, and that's the key component here. This is not Colorado State football. This is Florida State, one of the premier brands in this sport for several decades at this point. If you're 70 years old and you're watching this show, you remember when Florida State was nothing, and you watched how they built their program. But if you're 35 years old, you've only known a Florida State that was a premier national brand. It's been down. Now, granted, they've won a title in the last decade, but for a little stretch here, it's been down. The best thing Mike Norvell and his staff have done, let me rephrase because we did a little jump there, so I want to be able to cut this later. The best thing Mike Norvell and his staff have done is they walked in, they looked around, did an honest assessment of the situation, and they said, this roster's not where it needs to be, the culture's not where it needs to be, and the sad reality is we're going to have to market Florida State because there's a generation of kids coincidentally the ones we want to recruit, who do not view this brand the way that we grown men may view the brand. We know better. They don't. We got to teach them. And we got to swallow our pride a little bit. And we got to go sell Florida State. We may not think we should have to, but the bottom line is we do have to. Listen, hopefully there's going to come a day where you don't have to go sell Florida State. You got to, you got to keep kids from beating down your door trying to get in Florida State. Okay, that's the way they do it at Alabama now, at Clemson now, at Ohio State. It's not where Florida State is right now but the refreshing difference is they have swallowed their pride and they are doing everything in their power with the head coach on board, driving the bus in many cases, or the golf cart, in selling Florida State. And that's how you ultimately take that step, year one to year two, year two to year three. I look at a bunch of folks, and I've seen them all throughout the Twitter sphere and elsewhere today, sort of making fun of Florida State. What are you making fun of? I got news for you. A lot of you, some of you in that state, Would gladly trade places and have a coaching staff with that kind of energy in your building. They hadn't put the product on the field yet. They don't have the results on the field yet, nor should they. No one would have walked in year one and accomplished a whole lot more than they did last year. But I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you why I'm excited about Florida State right now. The one question I had about Norvell when he came in was recruiting. I don't doubt the guy's football acumen. I don't doubt his ability to get on a grease board and draw me up a game plan. I don't doubt that. I doubted whether he was going to come from the G5 ranks at Memphis and dive into the recruiting waters at Florida. They are very deep in that state. And go toe-to-toe and be able to, be able to speak that language and drive the speed you need to down there. They are. They are. Now you got to sign them because here's the one word of caution. Okay? There's some caution tape around this segment. This time last year, albeit different circumstances, Tennessee was red hot. And ultimately it fizzled out a little bit and that coaching staff's no longer there. So again, we're taking all this in the proper context. Don't think we're not. Everyone understands that getting kids on campus does not in and of itself conclude anything. It just takes a great big giant step. Like if you've ever walked through your house at night, you're trying to get to the fridge, trying to eat something you're probably not supposed to be eating. And it's dark. You don't turn the lights on. You don't want anyone to know you're creeping around the house. You take one step at a time, and if you can get one of those big steps out of the way, you're not to the fridge yet, but you probably just took a big step over a bunch of Legos on the floor that would have befallen a lesser man. That's what we're trying to do. At Florida State, we're just trying to take steps over the Legos right now so that we don't end up in the hospital, and instead, we can compete for a championship one day. One day. Maybe a little bit down the road, but one day. Let's talk about some impact freshmen to wrap it up here. I just hope, look, look, okay, we can cut, the Colin, don't include this in the segment. I just hope Florida State is back selfishly, and a lot of you who otherwise don't have a rooting interest here, I've explained my concept here, we'll probably talk about it later, Um, Quinn Ewers, Ohio State quarterback from Texas, commit from Texas, had some interesting things to say about this. If you are an otherwise non-biased observer of college football, you should root for Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, Florida, and Florida State to all recruit at an elite level nationally. If you want to see the sport balanced out, that's how you balance it out. I've spoken about, I've spoken my piece about that several times at this point. But, you know, Florida State's a part of that equation. All right, now let's talk about some impact freshmen. We've done two parts to this already. There is no end in sight because there's a lot of impact freshmen to talk about this year. Haven't spoken about Jason Marshall yet. That changes right now. Big time corner prospect for Florida. Number 28 overall. So he was a five-star kid. Prototype size, man. 6'2", 180. A lot of times you recruit them and you bring them in and you have to develop them a couple of years before they have the prototype size. Not Jason Marshall. He's just one you can go say, oh, he looks like that in high school, does he? Okay. Well, we got room for him in Gainesville. He enrolled early. He's a really good program guy. Okay. A lot of people speak very highly of him, uh, kind of the same way they did like Pat Sertan. When he came into Alabama, he was a program guy, not a guy you have to worry about a whole lot. And also on top of that, he's got the five-star attributes. He is a self-starter. It's a lot of the good stuff that you hope to hear about early enrollees. Listen, he could be the corner opposite Elam this year. He could start at nickel for them. He's going to be a player. This is a three-and-out type player, and so you want to get as much out of him as early as you can. Um, you cannot win without elite defensive back talent. I know everyone focuses on wide receiver. Well, guess what? That means you got to be able to do. It. You got to be able to match up with them, and so in this league especially. You look at what Georgia has. You look at what LSU and Alabama have. You're going to have to match up with them. You got to have kids like this. Florida's had them, and they got another one here in Jason Marshall. Go all the way out to the West Coast. A man by the name of Corey Foreman. I did not say boy or young man. I just said flat out man. Corey Foreman was the number one overall player in the country this past recruiting cycle, and he committed to USC. That's big. He stayed home. This guy was at one time committed to Clemson, He had Alabama, Georgia, Oregon. He had all these programs. LSU was in this thing, really, really deep into it. But USC keeps him at home. This was a massive win for USC, just purely in terms of optics. It was a massive win. But Foreman is a guy, if you know anything and you listen to our West Coast folks talk about him, he's very polished technically. Now, he has an elite blend of speed and size and power, but he's not raw. It's not a kid you would look at and say, give him a year in a college program. He's a guy they think can come in and play right now at USC. So I'd be surprised if we did not see him as an impact player for the Trojans this year. But also, think about what this would do for USC recruiting if they take the number one kid in California and in the country, and they keep him in state, and then he's on the field early, he's earned the right to be on the field early, and he's showcased very early on. You get to take that, and you get to show it to a bunch of other kids and say, hey, Imagine a world where it's once again cool to stay in state and not go 3,500 miles away to play your college ball. That could be you. It's Corey Foreman. It could be you. So again, if you want to see a rise on the West Coast, you're going to have to have Southern Cal as part of it. Cross your fingers. Corey Foreman is everything that we think he's going to be. Mario Williams. If you watched the Oklahoma spring game, I don't need to say much more about Mario Williams, the wide receiver number 42 overall player in this last recruiting cycle, had five catches for 84 yards in the spring game. You could not take your eyes off of him if you watch that OU spring game. So I want to say some names here because this is a perfect situation, kind of like Oklahoma getting Eric Gray out of the transfer portal. He doesn't have to come in there and carry the ball 35 times a game. Well, Mario Williams doesn't have to face double and triple teams and carry a team. It's not. It's not that at all. You got Marvin Mims out there. You got Jaden Hazelwood. You've got, obviously, Mario Williams coming in. Mike Woods coming in via transfer. This is a tailor-made situation for a guy who's ultra-talented to come in and be featured in an offense that is conducive to his talent, and then, number two, be a complementary piece this year while guys like Mims shine, and eventually, you grow into that number one receiver role. At Oklahoma, they grow them on trees. And so you don't have to have true freshmen come in and save the day for you. We were talking about them at linebacker the other day, bringing in big time linebacker talent. Once upon a time, if you were Oklahoma, you would have to hope and pray that true freshman defensive talent was gonna work out for you. That's not the way it is anymore. You got guys like Nick Benito there, that's not the way it is anymore. Well, you got guys like Hazelwood and Mims and Woods there. You don't have to have Mario Williams shine. He's going to anyway, but you don't have to have it. Your life doesn't depend on it. And also, I want to go to Oxford, Mississippi. Taiwan Malone. Anyone remember this name? Because we were talking about him a lot during the recruiting process. Taiwan Malone was a name on the radar of Ole Miss, where he eventually ended up. A and M was hot after him. A lot of the big programs wanted Taiwan Malone. This is not some backup option that chose Ole Miss after other programs didn't have room for him. A lot of folks were going to make room for Taiwan Malone. Um, I, I, I thought for a long time he was going to go to a and he ends up staying with Ole Miss. He's 6'4", 305. He's not a guy that you know, they've got to build physically. He's going to be ready to play this year. Now, here's the interesting thing about Ole Miss. They return a couple of interior defensive linemen, but they were terrible last year. They sucked water through a garden hose. And so Malone's the kind of guy that's going to probably come in, albeit as a true freshman, and just be better than the options they have there now, which would produce a little thing called depth that they had none of. They didn't have frontline guys defensively, much less depth last year in Oxford. But the coaches are not shy. Like Partridge and his coaching staff over there, they weren't shy at all. Talking about not just Malone, but they got a couple of other JUCO guys, um, Isaiah Eaton and Gordon, they got them out of JUCO. These are all defensive linemen. I want you to just think about something for a second. I'm gonna talk about Ole Miss later. Consider this, mm, what do I wanna call it? Consider this, consider this confluence of events happening for Ole Miss this year. You've got quarterback, you've got offense. No one worries about offense with Ole Miss. But if guys like Taiwan Malone come in and they live up to their billing, the couple of other Juco defensive linemen they got from the portal, or I guess they came from, uh, just transfers, I guess. I don't even know how to, re- how do we refer to them now? All the defensive linemen they added. If they pan out, I had a, a little buddy of mine before I was driving into the station today or the studio asking, who's the sleeper team in the SEC? Well, it's Ole Miss by 10 miles. Because you could conceivably end up looking at Ole Miss saying they got the best quarterback in the conference this year. You could say that. You're never going to say that about Auburn. You're you're probably never going to say that about uh, South Carolina or Tennessee this year. You could end up saying that about Ole Miss. But what you think about Ole Miss is that matter. They're going to be all show. You know, it's going to be all sauce. They're not going to have steak because they're not going to be able to stop molasses in December. Well, what if some of these dudes pan out on the defensive line? What if they're able to just force a couple of stops, force a couple of turnovers? You watched the Alabama game last year? They hung half a hundred on them. It's not like they need a ton of them. They just need a few of them. What if Ole Miss is that? That's the hidden key to Ole Miss contending. The whole hidden key to Ole Miss being the biggest surprise contender in the country this year, not just the SEC, is these defensive linemen panning out. Because they got all the offensive boxes checked. From head coach right on down to the players on the field, they got all that checked. If some of these dudes pan out earlier than expected or better than expected defensively, man it could be Ole Miss we're talking about as that surprise contender much later in the year than anyone expected. So that's our uh, Tuesday show, solid 40 minutes tonight. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, all right, the weekday show's out of the way, so we wait to Sunday, right? No, we'll be right back here Thursday night because that's how jam-packed things are right now. Uh, We do not do off seasons. We never will around here, and we at some points feel the need to add a show in. That's where we are. We're not looking to shave shows. We're looking to add shows. And as long as you're showing up like you are in the live show right now, and we'll no doubt get good viewership in the replay on this, um, we'll continue doing it. So uh, again, front end and back end. Thank you so much for the traction you're giving the show. Please continue to do that. Those five-star reviews on the podcast are getting us noticed. We're almost at 50,000 subs on the YouTube channel, by the way. So if you haven't subbed here already, you don't lose anything by doing it. Again, it's free. So give us a sub. Like the videos, though. That, that's what helps us the most, just liking those videos. Thank you so much for watching the show. We're out of here. For Director Emeritus Colin Jesse and Company in Connecticut, I'm Josh Bate. Have a great start to your week, for some of you at least, and God bless.